Welcome to the Rooftop Podcast. This is a special edition on the Afghanistan series. And it's a tough one right now. It's um, it's Tuesday, August 24th. Um, it's about 10, 20 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, I don't even know how long this has been going on. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, I suspect the... Uh, the current phase of the evacuation of American citizens and uh, Afghans and the rest will have ended the current phase. It'll all have ended. The United States will be completely out of the country and we will have left thousands of American citizens, Western citizens and Afghan nationals who put themselves at great risk in the support of this 20 year campaign uh, huddled in shivering masses at the gate. Now, if you if you think that's an extreme statement, then um, you have certainly not been in the signal chat rooms that I have been in over the last seven days or so, um, looking at the message traffic that is coming from former Afghan commandos, uh, Afghan National Army uh, special forces, uh, Afghan officials um, that is in real time where they are calling us um, asking, um, can you help me? They're beating my wife. Um, My wife is about to give birth. Um, My child has been shot. Can someone help me? Um, Over and over again in these different chat rooms, thousands and thousands of veterans have flooded, particularly special forces and special operations um, have come in here and have really um, just thrown themselves into any kind of effort that we can to 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 help as many people as we can. Now, I my particular task force, uh, if you want to call it that, is known as Pineapple Task Force Pineapple, and it, it was started for uh, from the rescue of um, an Afghan commando named uh, Space Monkey, and um, that's his call sign, and we. When he got to the gate, he was given the call sign of uh, or the, the password of Pineapple, and that became our unofficial name and then our official name. And then every time we would get a, uh, an Afghan uh, citizen through, we would uh, we would post Pineapple memes. And um, it really became this operating system. You know, if you've ever read the book, The Starfish and the Spider by um, Ori Brofman and Beckstrom. It is, uh, it is a phenomenal book and it, it, it was, it was truly proved out, uh, in this, in this event of seven days. You know, I don't know if, if, um, a book will be written about this. Maybe I'll try and put one out. I don't know. Maybe we'll just put this podcast series out, but you, you, you guys, you can't, you can't even believe, um, what has transpired in the human toll, but also in the, in the, uh, in the human victories that have happened. Um, uh, people inside, um, task Force Pineapple, um, congressional staffer that works for uh, a congressman's office, um, U.S. aid workers, um, Afghan interpreters, uh, former special forces operatives, all in here, uh, an ABC, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever, an ABC reporter uh, in here as well. And just this eclectic mix of private public sector people 
um, fighting to get it done. Uh, today, we got, by our figures, we got 100 and, um, 130 people through the wire and flown out today. 130 people um, passed, over, passed over concertina wire, pulled through holes in the fence, any way that we could make it happen. Uh, and some very brave people on the inside who I think probably defied orders uh, to not let Afghan citizens in did it anyway. Um, and, you know, to those of you who are sitting out there going, well, this is a threat to America. First of all, these people are more highly vetted and will have been uh, more vetted than anybody that comes across that southern border, which so many people seem to not have a problem with. But yet somehow uh, these Afghans who have stood up against, um, you know, all kinds of oppression and risk um, and have been vetted multiple times and have their biometric data and are at risk of being executed. Somehow that's a threat to America. It, it's astounding to me. Um, but they're not. And the Pineapple Express made sure that we got quite a few of them out. And, you know, I am I am aghast as I watch what's going on in the country today at the disparity um, that's happening between the senior leadership in this country. And I'm including general officers in this, too. I'm going to go ahead and say it. General officers and flag officers, to me, have been noticeably quiet. Uh, officers that I used to respect and look up to um, have been off the news. They haven't been saying anything. Um, this has been mostly uh, field grade officers in the rank of uh, major through uh, full colonel and um, junior officers, NCOs for sure. Our sergeants have been amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, and the general officers and the flag officers, uh, where are you? Not sure where you are. There's been a few and you know who you are if you're out there. You've done great work. But for the most part, our flag officer population in the retired community has been a dismal disappointment. And I'll say it, I don't care. Um, and a lot of you, uh, I've lost all respect for you. Um, you should have been on the media talking about this. You should have been um, uh, uh, doing things uh, to make, uh, to move things. You, you're, you, you're pipe hitters. You, you have the ability to swing a stick and bring resources to bear. And you didn't do it. You didn't do it. You were Many of you were busy keeping your contract companies running. Uh, many of you were busy just not wanting to make political waves, right? Um, but it's noted. Just know that. It is noted at a moral level by the people who you used to lead. They're talking about you in the signal rooms. Just know that, right? The people that you used to lead that, that you think respect you, they are now talking about you openly in these signal chat rooms with disgust and uh, disappointment. And you know who you are. You know, as you're listening to this right now, you know if you made a stand or you didn't, right? And only you, you, you have to answer for that. You have to answer for that. And just because you have stars on your shoulder, right? Just because you, you went, what, another eight to 10 years, you know, uh, in, in this game and you drank a little bit more chai and spent a little bit more years downrange than those of us who maybe retired at 20 or got out with five years. Hey, if you think that you rate the ability to sit silent and on your hands and preserve your good standing in the flag officer community, right, in the politically connected community, you're full of shit. And we know who you are. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to be around you, right? And I don't work for you anymore. And I don't owe you a goddamn thing. And I'm going to call you out every chance I get. And I'm going to illuminate you for who you are. And I'm not the only one. Like, there's a lot of people talking about this. And I'm sorry to rant on this a little bit, but I'm going to say it. People have been slaughtered, summarily executed, right? 
who we made a commitment to stand by. And even if, you know, even if the political waves were against it, that, 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 that is not an excuse. That is not an excuse to sit there, you know, and, 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 and say nothing. It is a moral outrage. And I bet you, you got your guys out though, didn't you? I bet your guys got out. I bet your generals got out. And, uh, Shame on you. That's all I can say. And, you know, there will be a reckoning for this one day or the other. There will be. I guarantee it. And, um, you know, I'm not sitting silent on it. I'm sure not. And I'm going to talk about it openly. And I, you know what? I'm starting to get a pretty good platform. And uh, so if the shoe fits, wear it, flag officers and uh, and SESs. If the shoe fits, wear it. There should have been some people resigning in protest over this or at least coming out of the woodwork. And uh, and standing out against it, not from a partisan level either. That's bullshit, right? Just from a humanity level, um, and and the disparity in leadership. And and you know, look, all the political administrations, frankly, that have been involved in this war, from the Bush administration all the way up to the President Biden administration, are woefully lacking. When I look at the caliber of the NCOs and officers who who flooded to the uh, to the uh, crisis here. Um, this is the largest, in my opinion, probably the largest private-public partnership, informal, organic support that has ever been done. I guarantee it. And, and, and I don't know if it'll ever be written about. I don't know if it'll ever be talked about. Um, but the bulk of the, of the work that got people through the wire, at least, was a private-public partnership. It was, these, it was these informal groups like Task Force Dunkirk and Team America and Task Force Pineapple um, that got this done, SF Helping Afghans. Um, I hope these names are, I hope the, the names of these organizations are known because it is striking the caliber of leadership. I mean, man, these men and women showed up and they found ways through the wire. They found ways to share information in real time. They found ways to move people through the city using indigenous networks around checkpoints and warning each other of where checkpoints were. I mean, it was its own Arab spring kind of powerful thing. And it just, it was, it was refreshing to see the power of this country and other countries, New Zealand, Australia, collaborating together. Um, it was really encouraging without any, and I mean without any, formal senior U.S. policy, political, or flag officer support. Zero. And as Americans, if you're listening to this, you need to know this. You need to know that President Biden, his entire staff, uh, Congress for the most part, and your senior military officers sat on their hands knowingly with zero intention to help the Afghan people or even our American citizens get out of this jam that they left them in by abandoning the country in the middle of the night with no concerted, coherent evacuation plan. They abandoned Bagram Air Force Base. They abandoned Kandahar Air Force Base in the middle of the night. And they could have easily stayed on for another month or two maintained those bases that were radically larger. We, we held key terrain and we could have exfiltrated all of these people out or at least a huge chunk of them. But you know what? Our, our combat forces, if they left the wire, it was few and far between on, uh, on this deployment to get people out. Right? They did not push out. They did not push the perimeter of the Kabul International Airfield out. Um, they would be within four feet. Space Monkey was within four feet of our armed forces at the perimeter and they would not get him. They pointed weapons at him. Some of our civilians were shot. And these are my brothers and sisters in the military. And you know, I'm not faulting you. Know that. I'm not faulting you. 
You were given a bullshit rules of engagement for a mission that we should have punched the Taliban in the face the, the moment we landed there, pushed them back and got our people out and got the Afghans out. First of all, that shouldn't have even happened because we never should have left Afghanistan and abandoned those people having the force disposition that we had, having had control of Bagram Air Force Base, Kandahar Air Force Base. And we could have we could have exfilled in a way that was phased, multi echelon, and very very manageable. And then to go back in the country with six thousand plus and like do a breached entry and then set up a little tiny perimeter and ask the Taliban's permission if it's okay if we evacuate our citizens, it's feckless and it's weak, and we will reap it as a result of that. China is looking at Taiwan right now, sharpening their knives with a malicious grin. Russia is talking about how our policies to address a racist military completely took our eye off the ball. And you know what? They're right. Because I will tell you right now, I've watched people of all ethnicities, religions, skin color, socioeconomic status come into these signal chat rooms and give everything they have to pull out people of different ethnicities, Tajik, Hazara, Pashtun. No one gives a shit, right? We're all the same color, same ethnicity right now, just trying to save our brothers and sisters that our leaders abandoned. There is language in these chat rooms where, um, just so you know this, President Biden, I hope you listen to this podcast, kind of doubt you will, but any of our political leaders or our flag officers, your sergeants, uh, your retired officers are talking about, contrary to what our government does, um, we, we, don't, we don't leave anybody behind. We don't do that. All right. Just so you know. Um, and that's what we do. And, and here, here we are. You know, it's such a disparity of leadership. When I look at the way our sergeants and our officers came into the fold from the retirement community and made this happen, um, while the active duty force really does nothing. Right. It's just it's 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 striking. And I hope the American people are seeing this. I hope that all of you are seeing this. I hope that it's resonating with you, whether you are a Democrat or Republican, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. Right. I hope that you're seeing what's happening right now. And I hope that you see the results of a nation that is divided. This is what it looks like when a nation is divided like this and the and the and the tribalism that is happening in Afghanistan and pay attention to it because it's going to get worse where literally clans and tribes are turning on each other and, and, and assassinating each other and murdering each other in the street. You know, we're not removed from that. You know, it's not a foregone conclusion that that can't happen to us. You understand? It very well could happen to us. And if we don't start to get some leadership, um, we're on a path right now to go off the cliff. The Soviet Union fell apart after it left the Afghanistan country in a very similar way that we are. It fell apart from the inside out, right? And um, we're leaving that country right now, a network that we built for 20 years. The reason that we were attacked and surprised on 9-11 is because we had no network on the ground. We had no eyes on the ground. We hadn't had an embassy in that country in years. We had no network. We had no way of knowing what was happening other than drones. And guess what? We just went back to that same disposition. We just abandoned a network that we took 20 years to build, right? 20 years to build. But I'll tell you something to the American people, you can at least rest somewhat assured because us old fart Green Berets 
and SEALs and others who built these networks, we're not, we're just not going to abandon that. We're using these networks now to create rat lines and we're going to move people out of the country that way. And even if communications go down and the internet goes down and the Taliban start assassinating people, I can promise you, we know how to work through that. We know how to move people. We know how to establish networks. We understand unconventional warfare. And whether the active military takes a role or not, doesn't matter. We are not going to let these networks fall. I remember what it was like on 9-11. I remember when my Ranger buddy was killed in the Pentagon because we didn't have eyes on the ground and a catastrophic failure of our intel apparatus and our political system. We were strategically surprised for the first time since World War II. And here we have willingly given away the network. I have it on high authority that the Biden administration and uh, and our military have said we have no interest in what happens in Afghanistan after 31 August. No interest at all. No interest in maintaining networks. No interest in maintaining a presence. No interest in supporting any kind of resistance in this country. Even though we took 20 years and we trained commandos, Afghan special forces, special mission units who are still in the country, going to ground, going to uh, in the caves and willing to fight. Now, if that doesn't rile you up, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. You clearly have not much recognition of 9-11 if it doesn't, right? And I can tell you that, it, that, that what is in place right now, the salvaging of these networks, moving people out of the country, even after the airplane stopped flying, is all happening from a private-public partnership, mostly private. Inordinate amounts of money, millions of dollars have been raised um, we've raised a couple hundred thousand in our nonprofit, right, to get airplanes in that are privately chartered, to move people through rat lines, to get people resettled. And um, all I can say is this. I hope that our country um, will stop giving agency and, uh, and power to these mouth-breathing politicians. It is disgusting. Right. It is it is just we are we are bashing each other over the head with axe handles in the street over elections between politicians who both are mouth breathers. They're amateurs. You know it and I know it. You know damn well if one of those presidents from the last you know two terms were a public school teacher in your school district, you'd probably move schools. But yet we'll sit there and we'll bash each other over the head with axe handles because our guy didn't win or our gal didn't win. And those people over there did win or they didn't win. And we speak with contempt and moral superiority with each other. We're not that damn far away from what's happening in the streets of Kabul right now. And it's because for large measure, we are giving our agency away to politicians and senior leaders, policymakers and bureaucrats who practice divisionism as a matter of course. They don't look for unity of effort in this nation. They don't look for a central narrative. They actually seek to divide to advance their narrow agenda. And we're letting them do it as we move through this trance-like state, asleep at the switch. Can't do it. Anger makes you stupid. We have to pull it back. We have to look at what's happened with this. And, you know, there's a few lessons that I've taken away that have been reminders to me is relationships are everything. I'll tell you, as I watch all this happen, I am so amazed at Afghans who are just on, you know, texting with their brothers and sisters who fought with them that are on the cell phones saying, go to this checkpoint and just lay low. And they go through the checkpoint and they endure beatings from the Taliban. They endure being kicked 
and prodded and watching their wife be beaten because we told them to go to this gate and wait. And a level of trust and, and, and belief in each other that can't even be described on this podcast. Because that's what happens when you serve in combat with each other. And, and a lot of people can't understand that. That's the bond that's in place. Trust in the face of extreme suffering. And that's why the veteran population is so up in arms right now. And I'm saying to President Biden, and I'm saying to our leadership in the military right now, our senior leadership, you have lost your veteran population. You've lost us. You have lost us. We have lost faith in you. One of the greatest remaining institutions in this country that has the public's trust and belief, we have lost faith in you. You have made us feel embarrassed to be Americans. And in order to demonstrate that we are not embarrassed to be Americans, we've mounted our own private undertaking to do what you should have done. And if I'm sounding shrill and angry, it's because I am. You have betrayed the Afghan people, but more importantly, you have betrayed the veterans who went voluntarily and served for you. You have betrayed the military families. You have betrayed the gold stars who gave their greatest treasure their loved ones, to your care. You have betrayed it. And you have blood on your hands. We all have blood on our hands. Let's be clear about that. We all own some chunk of this. This isn't about assigning blame. But if you walked away from this or you sat on your hands, you better believe there's a level, a depth of ownership that you'll never get away from at a moral level. And we've lost trust in you as a veteran population. And I'll never stop saying that. And there's a cost to that. There's a cost. When you betray the veteran population, there's a cost. And I hope the American people will take stock of this. I hope you'll notice that collectively the veteran population is looking at our political apparatus with disgust. As dishonorable. And we're looking at that our flag officers that way too. We're looking at the secretaries of the military. We're looking at the joint chiefs. We're looking at the flag officers who are retired, who did nothing. Betrayal, disgust, that's what we feel. That's what I see constantly in these chat rooms flowing around. Another thing I've learned is that without a central story, without an us story, without a strategic narrative, we will fail as a nation. Afghanistan does not have a central narrative, does it? Think about it. Is there a central narrative that defines Afghanistan other than the graveyard of empires? Or me against my brother, my brother and me against my cousin, my brother, my cousin and me against the world. (laughs) Isn't that starting to become the narrative of America? We've lost the us story of out of many come one. And now we're focused on dividing each other. We're focused on showing how this group is superior to that group. Or this group doesn't have a voice and this group should have a voice. It's all about divisionism. And there's no central story that binds us. And we know from history, we know from history that states without a myth, states without a narrative are not long of this earth. And our political leaders are allowing us to happen. Our, our, our generals are actually destroying the narrative of our military in order to create something else. Based on what? Create something else in our military based on what? What, what model? I'm curious. What model... Beyond the United States military, which enjoyed 
up until 2017, something like 70-something percent trust from the U.S. Why would you, why would you destroy that narrative? I wonder. But without a narrative, uh, we will follow the same fate as Afghanistan. And I hope, again, as you're listening to this, that you think about that when you pull that lever to vote. If you're voting for someone who is in the business of disparaging half the nation, regardless of their party, or dividing or speaking with contempt or moral superiority, you are putting the fix in for our children. Because they are inheriting a nation that has no central narrative. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. Look at what happened in Iraq. When you lose your central narrative, the end is near. A couple other things I learned this week that I'm, I'm very, very driven by and moved by is, is being relevant to the problem. I've noticed that it's been so cool to see, because uh, I want to end this on a positive note, is these amazing, amazing leaders who um, come in and they just focus on being relevant to the problem. Right. If we need to get a nine month pregnant woman and her um, two small children onto the base, um, the call goes out on Task Force Pineapple. Who's relevant to this problem? OK, I'm at Abbey Gate. I can help with that. Um, OK, I'm on the inside. I can go talk to State Department and make sure that she's on the manifest. Um, OK, I'm going to put uh, my person who's also outside the gate next to her so that she has protection relevant to the problem. And those that are not, they just sit quiet. A lot of times that's me, even though I started Task Force Pineapple or was one of the ones, now I mostly sit quiet in constant admiration of what these amazing men and women are doing who are relevant to the problem. What if we did that here at home? What if when we approached corporate problems or layoffs or um, race issues, what if we weighed in based on our relevance to the problem? What if rather than elbowing our way in the room and just spewing what it is we want to spew, what if we just said, how can I be relevant to this problem? And when we're not, we sit silent. And when we are, we step forward. What a great organization, culture, and society that would be. And it's been proven right here in Task Force Pineapple, Team America, Task Force Dunkirk, that it's very doable. Very, very doable. And um, the last thing I'll say that I've, I've learned is for leaders, it's just trust and get out of the way. If you if you put competent people in the organization and you give them good guidance, just let them run. Just let them run. In this day and age, I mean, I have I have been, and it's mainly because these people are so good, I can't keep up with them. But, but the ability that they have to just, they have created mechanisms like this Pineapple Express. Wow. I just wish you all, maybe I'll release the message traffic from this one day and you can see how they were pulling people through walls. 130 people in one day. 130 souls, 130 lives, little kids, pregnant moms. And it's all because we trusted each other. And our, and our Afghan partners that we brought in, they trusted. And we trusted them to go to the place we said to go and sit quietly and wait until we tell you to move. What if we all trusted each other that way? What if we trusted each other blindly based on relationships, not out of ignorance, but out of relationships? What if we focused on connecting like our lives depended on it? Because you know what? I think they do more than we realize. And what I've seen through all of this is that our humanity, our existence on this earth is completely dependent on how we treat each other and how we connect with each other. And as we reemerge from this pandemic, we better find a way to do it, particularly as a nation. And it's going to be you that does it, not these politicians. 
Nobody else is coming. This is your time. That's why rooftop leadership is so damn important. It's about building bridging trust. It's about bridging across gaps, bridging across political beliefs, bridging across issues with the pandemic and finding common ground below the waterline where we can connect with each other and faith and family. I don't know, but it's time to decide. It's time to look at what's happened with this travesty in Afghanistan that history will curse us for and say never again and at least find a way to come back together and believe in each other. I know that's what I'm going to do. Thanks for what you do. I'll see you on the rooftop. (laughs) 